everybody, and welcome to Neuroscientist Talk Shop. Today is Thursday, March 2nd, and we're talking to Carmen Canavier. Carmen is professor and chair in the Department of Neuroscience and Cell Biology. Cell Biology and Anatomy. Cell Biology and Anatomy. But we do a lot of neuroscience. At the Louisiana State University Medical School of New Orleans, which Correct. people call LSU Health. Yes. That's usually the way it's written uh, in, in Louisiana. Carmen is a computational neuroscientist who works on the dynamics of neurons and neural networks. Her work has been pivotal in studying a variety of brain neurons, but especially the dopaminergic neurons in the midbrain. And uh, today, though, we're going to be talking to her about medial interrhinal cortex, which is an important input to the hippocampus and is involved in spatial navigation, and which also shows some interesting neural dynamics. And uh, she's not really working on firing in relation to navigation, but I'm going to ask her to talk about it a little bit anyway. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but she's re really working on the mechanisms of synchronization that happen in that network. So, hi, Carmen. Welcome, Charlie. And we also have with us Francesco Savelli, longtime podcast contributor right. and UTSA interrhinal cortex expert. Hi, Francesco. Hello. So, um, I, he, I, I don't work on interrhinal cortex, but I hear two kinds of things about it. One of them is basically the kind of thing you talk about, which is theta as a sort of background timing signal in the interrhinal cortex, and the neurons fire in relation to theta, or at least investigators right. discover whether they do or not. And, and there's also gamma oscillations that are right on top of the theta oscillations. And so that is a kind of uh, single cell kind of way of thinking, although the network is there because theta is a network phenomenon. And it is a, looking at a relatively short time scale in the sense that theta, the theta is only 10 hertz or 8 hertz or something like that, and so uh, it's only 100 milliseconds or right. 125 milliseconds. And uh, the other way that people talk about in, about the interrhinal cortex is really about spatial navigation in animals. Walking around in that place, we're recording the neurons, and we see the neurons fire more when the animal is doing one thing than doing another, and the neurons get categorized according to how they fire in relation to to mm -hmm. movement. So I know it's, it's kind of, but I have both of you, you know, about both those things. So I would like to understand the relationship sort of between them. Do we understand that the grid cells and head direction cells and all that stuff in, that happens in interrhinal cortex in terms of these underlying oscillations and network dynamics? Can we, the network dynamics be interpreted in the context of the grid cell or that? Well, I want to start with the Pastol et al. 2013 paper from Matthew Nolan's lab. Uh, in a, they addressed that question in a modeling way. They, they, they implemented a model that has the head direction cell inputs and all, all the um, uh, uh, navigational inputs that set up the grid cell fields, and they superimposed theta drive on that, and, they, and that elicited nested gamma. And it was, you know, they weren't mutually exclusive. The model implemented both. So but, normally theta comes in from synaptic input, but in this case they were imposing it using optogenetics. Well, right? actually in the model they were imposing it using simulated, oh, I see. simulated optogenetics. I see. Sim uh, optogenetics is one step away from reality, and then simulated <laughs> optogenetics is yet Exactly. So, so, yeah, so as far as, in the, it, it's possible in the model, but as far as the real world, what I was just thinking about was that... Um, Francesco's work 
shows how the grid cell input can be integrated into and form into the formation of place cells. But I, I think of place cell firing, and I don't think I'm the only one that I think that there's certain place cells that are active on each gamma cycle within a theta cycle, and that's a way of chunking information, episodic information. In the CA1. That's in CA1, but then so go back to if you go back to MEC, Laura Colgan and other work from the Moser lab shows that fast gamma in the 65 to 140 hertz range is synchronized with fast gamma in area CA1 in that frequency range. And one, I'm puzzled how they can be synchronous because there's a finite delay. But one way you can get synchrony is if there is reciprocal coupling. And I'm, I know there's reciprocal coupling. There are some projections from CA1 back to the EC. So perhaps that's how they get exact synchrony. I have some models that do that. So, uh, <laughs> so the, the gamma is a really, you say fast gamma, that's a really high frequency Nested uh, within theta. Field potential happens at a certain phase on top of the theta, right? right? And then presumably both the theta and the gamma are reflections of similar oscillations in the membrane potentials of the individual neurons. And that's been checked right. to some degree and, that, and is true. Uh, would, would you agree with that statement or am I... Wait, uh, the, the, the... That it has been shown that those oscillations do happen as phenomena on the membrane potential of the actual neurons. And so therefore could be causal in making the neurons fire. Well that would have to be that would have to be intracellular recordings and I'm I'm struggling a bit thinking of Because I thought today you showed us some voltage clamp studies of currents. Yeah, but again it's and, it's, it's it's these artificial situations. Yeah, 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 but that's okay. It is theta. <laughs> so yeah, yes. definitely definitely theta. And no, so when you, cellular, impose, yeah. you impose the theta oscillation on the circuit, the circuit makes the gamma oscillation exactly. on its own. Exactly. That's uh, what I, that's and what's it cool. makes it at the right phase of theta. That's what makes this an interesting mm -hmm. th uh, thing to study, right? I think so. And so, uh, and that gamma oscillation, of course, the theta oscillation is also on the cells, but that's a little bit trivial because it's been imposed on the cells. But the gamma oscillation is presumably synaptic in origin and can be seen as a sequence of synaptic currents in voltage claim. So, uh, so does that come from just one neuron or does that come from a whole lot of neurons? Does that imply that all the... I certainly think it's an emergence phenomenon. So we think lots of neurons are synchronized together and creating that gamma Yes, and the question is how much how much of that contribution is just from the P, the parvalbumin positive interneurons talking to each other, and how much of it is from their interaction with the excitatory cells, the stellate and pyramidal cells. So, um, but but you you uh, right. So you're so sure that all the cells are participating. In oh, this, not all, no. that, or that an enormous number of them. Mm -hmm. So so you jump immediately to why? I mean, <laughs> why are they synchronized? So, uh, the pyramidal cells aren't firing at gamma frequency. It, even the stellates are firing, stellates as you saw, the, the stellates are firing once or twice per theta cycle. So there's no way they could be forcing the gamma oscillation on the interneurons, is there? Well, I, I, like Nancy Capel used to think of, you know, the, the pyramidal cells don't fire as fast as the interneurons. They don't fire as fast as the population. And so she used to think that there was groups ensembles of pyramidal cells that were active on each gamma cycle. So that, that's a possibility. Uh -huh. And is there anybody looked for that? Uh, 
Because it seems, you know, a lot of <laughs> a lot of what you talk about is whether the interneurons can make this by themselves or right. whether they need the pyramidal cells. So if, if you look at the most proximal mm -hmm. cause, the thing that's making that current ought to be a axon releasing transmitter on a cell. Mm -hmm. So whose axon could that be? Uh, and if it's happening in a way that's inconsistent with what the stellate cells do, it right. can't be the stellate cell. Right, but I don't think the stellate cells have to fire on every single cycle. I think I showed an example in my talk where they can fire once every few times and still keep the, keep synchronous. That, that's a possible mechanism. Uh -huh. And we also aren't, no, we, don't, we don't know what the pyramidal cells, ah, so, oh, and the stellate cells, I guess you could say maybe they're not all firing on the same cycle, but truthfully, in the Pastel et al. paper, the first spike on the stellate cells lined up. And of course, th this is not a population of stellate cells. It was repeated trials in one stellate cell, which is not exactly the same thing. So that it's cell a, stays consistent. The first spike is, so and the a, second one was variable. If it's a group of cells that are taking turns, uh, then every cell stays in the same group each time. That's the one thing we could say from that. It doesn't switch from being a cell that fires on the first wave of gamma to one that fires on the twelfth wave. Of gamma. Uh, actually, actually, David Terman and I talked about this one time. When you have clusters, he says membership of the clusters can change. But they don't because you just said the experiment mm -hmm. is against that idea. It's I, individual stellate cell fires at the same phase over and over. Well, that was just one. Yeah, that was one stellate cell, but it, it, and it only gave the first spike at the same phase. The the, the second spike, the phase was variable. So it didn't fire. It was fired twice, twice per theta cycle. And the first one on the upstroke was consistent, but the second one wasn't. Well, now, now I'm confused, though, because are we talking about phase or are we talking gamma, right? We're talking theta phase here. Theta, gamma, phase or cycle? Because for yeah, a moment, yeah, 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 I thought yeah. you meant different to... cells firing at different cycles of gamma, gamma nested in theta. That's well, what that I was talking true. about. So, it's so it's not phase, it's... Well, it's, 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 theta it's the serial theta. cycle, yeah. Because the gamma is at a fixed phase relationship to theta. Yeah, okay. So we can right. use okay, gamma all right. cycle and okay. theta gamma phase. Okay, gamma cycle, theta change. phase. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Yes, okay. I just wanted to make sure that was some more. <laughs> it was getting a little complicated. <laughs> so do you think the grid cells also organize their, their, uh, organize their firing such that they only fire on certain fast gamma cycles within the theta nested gamma, uh, theta gamma in the MEC? I don't, I don't know. I mean, people. I'm more familiar with um, alternating cycles in theta, cycles of theta, not right. cycles of gamma. And so these theta skip. There's all and a I, range I of phenomena theta skipping. Yeah, I would and, like to see. I'd like to see those papers because I did find a paper from the F R E U N D. How do we say that? Freund, Freund lab where they specifically say, and this was, I think, a 2004 paper, yeah. that there's two populations of GABA neurons that burst, one at the trough of theta and one at the peak of theta, in as recorded in the septum. Right. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's, yeah, so that's the paper that you, you, sh mm -hmm. you show me today, yes. Um, the, um, there is some um, evidence of complex theta skipping, even multiple cycles, mm -hmm. Um, from in vivo behaving animals recordings. This was um, a study by King, Rece, and O'Keefe um, in the medial septum, diagonal band of Broca, 
And these was, I believe it was in 1999 or something like that. And I'm going to look that paper up. And and that one, so that one was, I think, it was a very important paper where they kind of showed some directional modulation in the frequency of firing of what is most likely GABAergic cells in the medial septum, which we know, uh, you know, influence strongly data in the hippocampal system for our audience there, I don't know. But uh, um, so anyways, um, so there was also potentially multiple data skipping. That is data skipping in MEC, so um, uh, grid cells, uh, something that uh, Sachin Deshmukh from the Canadian lab showed. And then there is evidence of something data skipping in slices. And, and these and, are and bursting, I don't remember the, are these bursting GABAergic cells? No, so the, the grid cells are not the, the GABAergic. The ones that are skipping, the ones that are... The, the ones that are skipping, those are those are either part of pyramidal or stellate cells. So um, uh, obviously this is in vivo recording, so the cell is not identified. And uh, we know both stellate cells and pyramidal cells can be grid cells. You know, that's the definitely stellate cells. Um, there has been some different studies whether you know stellate cells were grid cells and pyramidal cells were say other form of spatial cells and vice versa but i think that i don't know like i think the picture is probably there's not a neat mapping of functional classes of cells onto morphological classes so, of cells if we're watching an animal navigate around in a place yeah we're watching a grid cell and it fires sometimes Fire, doesn't fire so much at others as the animal's moving around. That's what makes it a grid cell. Right. right. And so what are, what are we imagining? Like that this, when the cell's firing more, it means it fires on more theta cycles. It doesn't skip cycles as much. And when it's firing less, it skips cycles more often. Or do, are we imagining that the cell's firing, when it fires, it fires on every th- cycle of theta and just fires more spikes per cycle? Uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Maybe you, you're saying, like, how does the cell uh, maintain the same level of fighting rate uh, given that it's data skipping, right? Is that the question? Well, I'm thinking the cell's firing rate is changing. We think that's functionally important. That's the most important thing. Right. And yet the cell is also firing on some phase of theta. So, right. And theta isn't changing its frequency very much during these movements. And so that means the only way for the cell to increase its firing rate is to fire more per theta cycle, yeah. or to fire on more theta cycles. Yeah, it, fi- it can fire more spikes per theta cycle when the firing rate goes up. So and it doesn't shot. fire at all in between its hotspots, though, right? In between the hotspots, oh, yeah, very the, the, the cell is uh, yeah, nominally silent. But, yeah. but you're right, it's still being driven by theta. It's, it's still just theta not, there. It's, it's just, just not firing. Itself. So, so <laughs> is, is, yeah. So theta is, is sort of a constant timing signal. It doesn't really have much to do with position, or is that not? Is that too simple to say that? Um, so I think we were talking yesterday about this, like you know whether we're talking about logger field potential theta mm-hmm. or or. The, 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 the structure right. of the well, I'm really spiking. only interested oh. in the theta that lies across the membrane of a neuron. Right. Okay, but so if you're... the field potential okay. tells me about that, then I'm happy. I think so the field potential <laughs> is um, obvious. I mean, the thing is, like, if you think about phase precision, um, it's not happening at the same at the same rate in all cells at the same time. So 
you have to think about phase precession as a transient desynchronization, you know, of the rhythmic firing of the cell relative to this global clock that is stable. So there's no other way, right? So in a way, you have to see it as like, okay, the frequency is going is faster, but only when you know in in in, in certain ways. So so the issue. Um, um, is okay you know if we're thinking about single cells it's a big question it's like to what extent these theta is what is encoded right but it what sounds like the theta by itself is in not the, enough to make them fire it needs when it's in its field it's getting what, what inputs is it getting when it's in its little spots, grid yeah, spots, right. it must be getting some right. inputs there right. that it doesn't get yes. elsewhere. Yes, so there has to be uh, something that makes them fire. And it depends on the model that you think about. So there are models in which, yeah, theta is sufficient. You just need two theta, and one is modulated by velocity, and the other isn't. For example, in, in the most probably simplified form of the phase interference model, in which essentially just because one is modulated by velocity, it will go in and out of phase of the one that isn't at proper times. And 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 this, so you alternate between constructive and destructive interference in a way that is related to the position of the animal. And so in that case, yes, you could say that not one theta, but two thetas make the cell fire. And I believe if I going back to your question, which now it's a little lost, but I think it has to do with yeah, what it was encoded in, in Theta. So we need to look at Theta in single neurons. And so then go back to the same kind of questions that people ask for firing rate, which is like what is encoded in the firing rate of one neuron, what is encoded in the firing rate of many neurons at the same time, and how everything is coordinated, where is the information. And if we find information there, just an observer, standard observer, is actually relevant to the readout mechanisms that the brain uses. So one thing is finding information, the other thing is finding the readout mechanism, because otherwise, you know, there might be information the brain is not really using. And so it's but your, your point is, I guess we're driving, in the slice preparations, I guess we're driving it too hard, because it's making it fire on every cycle. Whereas in the attacked animal, it looks like it needs something else. I mean, the, the inputs for, that say, this is where I'm supposed to fire in this grid cell. So we're driving it harder than probably it experiences. And the other thing is, I thought that it was this GABAergic input from the septum that was driving it, and, and that's, in the, that's hyperpolarization. So you need something to just bring everybody up. You, you need some excitation so that it can get periodic inhibition. Well, there's no shortage of excitatory synapses in the neuronal cortex is loaded with that. Uh, could it be cholinergic modulation from the cholinergic, from the septum? The sept so yeah, the septum has um, gabaergic, cholinergic, and, and glutamatergic. Yeah, glutamatergic. So um, the most theta is more going to be gabaergic. So maybe a tonic excitation and a phasic inhibition? So where do you, where's, where's that excitation coming from that goes to the enorhinal cortex? I mean, certainly people who say enorhinal cortex does X in behavior ought to have asked themselves, where does 
that signal come from? Especially the grid cell signals. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like the, the entorhinal cortex is the major you know, conduit of neocortical information into the hippocampus proper. Which are to be excitatory yeah, um, for the most part. Yeah, for the most part, classic view, excitatory, then nowadays people start now finding, we, you know, long-range, long-range <laughs> as we know in this department. So it's That's like, right. but, um, but yeah, so, um, um, yeah, so, the, so there are also feedback from the hippocampus to the internal cortex. So like, for example, I think you were mentioning CA1, so CA1 projects yes. back to the, uh, and so bigger, the deep layers of internal cortex. Whereas the input seems to come more like from the superficial layers of the internal cortex. And then, of course, inside the internal cortex, they're also connected. So everything is a loop. And then there is the inputs from uh, the sensory cortex, you know, the, all the cortical areas, neocortex. And, and then there is all the subcortical inputs. So, like, so, so many of the, those are asynchronous with theta, don't you think? Which one? Many of those would be asynchronous with theta. You know, Teta is like, it starts at least logo, you know, yeah, Teta, not logo of your sorry, the, the unit firing and the structure of Teta in the, in the firing of units, you know, it becomes very strong in MEC to the point that is actually, when we do experiments, that's actually one of our landmarks when we're submarining our electrodes into the brain. When we see Teta, you know. When, just, when, when we see the cells, I guess, let me repeat sort of what Carmen is saying. When we see the cells go quiet at some point because of the way the animal is moving around in this place, do we think that that cell isn't experiencing any theta signal anymore? Or do we think that theta is still there and that cell has just had a reduced excitation of another kind? <clears throat> okay, so let's unpack that question for a second. So, you know, like, because... Just to clarify, when you say because of the way the animal moves in space, so just for clarity, like if the animal stops moving around and gets into a you know significant pose, then the hippocampus goes into a different mode. So like it's not in theta mode anymore. It can go in sharp waves and ripples, and in that case, place cells and grid cells do not fire as, oh, okay. you know, place cells and grid cells. So if I could look down on the endorhinal cortex, I would see places that are firing and would have theta, and other places that are not firing and where theta would not be there. No, so I was I was just kind of drawing a distinction. So there is... Between movement and... There is, the, the yeah, so there is... So but in you, grid cells, some cells, some grid cells are firing and some are not. Yeah, so I think, I, think what you, I think what you're referring to is, means like, you know, the cell fires or not fired as a function of the position of yeah, the animal. Yeah, I don't mean when the animal exactly. stops. I mean exactly. the animal... Yeah, but then position. there's also the behavioral state of the animal because that's why I was saying it's like if you're thinking about like the behavioral state of the animal, then it, it, it's a more complex because... Yeah, then, when the animal yeah. falls asleep, yeah. Yeah. movement so, correlates with exploration, so perhaps yeah, if, and so, data... Yeah, so if there is movement, so going back to your question, I just want to make sure. So yeah, it's it's position based. So now the question is, you're you're saying when 
the animal, say, is in between the vertices of a particular grid cell. So that, in that sense, the cell is silent. Is, the, is that cell experiencing theta in any form or sort? So now the question is like, where does theta come from, right? Yeah. So there are, uh, you know, pacemakers, and so there's two different kinds of theta, theta movement and theta tension. So, and they have, they can be dissociated anatomically and pharmacologically. Let's just forget about attention theta. Let's talk about the movement theta mm -hmm. since we're talking about places, perhaps it's more relevant. So, um, uh, you know, we know it, the medial septum and the, the internal cortex are involved mm -hmm. in that um, uh, theta for the hippocampus. So uh, now, um, so if you're thinking about pace, so the pacemakers, and then to some extent, the cell might have an intrinsic ability to resonate a theta. It's actually, this is actually documented, stellate cells in the medial internal cortex that do have resonant properties and the resonant, um, you know, the frequency at which they resonate the most, I forgot what, what the terminology is, is actually topographically organized along the um, um, dorsoventral axis of the medial internal cortex, <laughs> which happens to be the same axis that organizes the the this the scale of the grid cell. So you find high resolution grids dorsal, and you find you know larger scale grids more ventral. So the fact that there is a resonant properties that changes from cell to cell, you know, along that axis means like, okay, so the cell has some intrinsic ability to sustain theta perhaps, or, and, and I sure much more than just what I mentioned. So the question is, uh, is still theta, you know, going on or might be like, it seems from intracellular recordings, I believe, of place cells, although now they've done in grid cells, you know, that might still going on subthreshold theta oscillations. Yeah, I think so. I think they're just not getting the whatever input causes them to sure. fire. Well, but because if the theta generating input knows enough to know which uh, grid cells are firing and which aren't, then it doesn't even need the grid cells. It already has the grid information in it. So uh, it doesn't make any, you know, it doesn't make any sense for the for the cells that are driving theta in the septal nucleus mm -hmm. or something to drive theta in this cell because the animal is in this place in the grid and not mm -hmm. drive theta in that place because the animal's not in that place in the grid. For one thing, there probably aren't that many cells in the in the spacemaker nuclei. So well, so basically, you're saying the information is in the um, I believe what. Uh, using what Todd Blair said, patterns of synchronies. So the information is in patterns of synchrony mm -hmm. somewhere, either units, you know, pressure. The issue is that why does it get converted into firing rate code? That's maybe another way to put that questions you're asking. Maybe, but I'd like to separate the, the world into excitatory and inhibitory things, and one of them carries some kind of information, one mm -hmm. carries something else. So. I imagine, here's, here's what I imagine, being somebody who doesn't work on this and who doesn't know anything. But that's the easiest way you, to have an opinion. Yeah. I think <laughs> you know more than you let out. That, <laughs> so so uh, my uh, uninformed opinion is that the cortex 
is collecting information about the animal's movements in space mm -hmm. and using that information to inform the grid cells. Mm -hmm. And that information doesn't have any theta in it. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere there's a theta generator that's sending theta to the cells. And when the cells are depolarized enough, the cell can fire on on mm -hmm. some phase of theta, mm -hmm. and when the cell is not depolarized enough, the theta is still there, but right. the cell doesn't fire. Right? I agree, but I, but that nested gamma must be to if if it's if there's any validity to it, it's, I still think it must be to chunk information, and chunk it in parallel with the chunking that's going on in CA1. So this grid grid cell information in this gamma cycle informs place cell information in that gamma cycle. That's the only that's the only purpose I can think of for the gamma oscillations. Chunking is such a jargon word. True. I'm not really sure. Every time I hear it, I think of the original paper about chunking. Well, ensembles and, then. But, uh, but I mean, it, it has some meaning in relation to memory, chunking. Right? It's the unit right. of memory. So, so maybe more applicable to working memory, like a phone number. So mm -hmm. if we're thinking about... Parcelizational information. Uh, is that what video here? So if I, I guess what I guess what it means is that if a if a cellate cell fires on some cycle of gamma, it means something different than if it goes on another one. And we might have a bunch of cellate cells that are all firing, right. and some of them fire on one gamma cycle, and some on a different, and some on a different. And that the gamma cycle you fire on somehow represents the thing you are remembering. Right. Or representing. Because you could represent that stuff in a chunk. Is that it? And then you would say, well, the number of things that could be represented is the number of gamma cycles. That's on what Lisman said. Lisman's yeah. idea. I know. It was just an idea, though. Right. And I was wondering what we could say about what do we know more than what John knew about that now after some time has passed. Well, I wonder if that means perception. Is, is perception discretized and they only update their location every gamma cycle? I, th I think you asked me this question. Roof and, who was here. <laughs> Roof and Van Rotman. You're not going to get a different answer. <laughs> Roof and Van Rotman has done some work on visual perception. And it, it only, it updates, it doesn't update continuously, I don't think. I think that it's, it's updated dis in a discrete fashion. Uh -huh. But is it at gamma frequency? I don't think so. I think visual, I think what is it, 30, 30? than gamma. The, there's only, you can, you can only perceive a certain number of frames per second. That's why movies fake us out. So, whatever that rate yeah. is. 24. Okay. But, um, maybe perception is just updated in this discrete manner. So, we don't know what, I mean, the gamma, the nested gamma is it? really interesting looking phenomenon and the, there are two things we'd like to know about it where does it come from and what's it good for exactly and yeah. what's it good for we've been trying for a couple of minutes but right. as Francesco says we're not going to make any headway today where it comes from though is topic of your and, and yes. I, have, I have a question on that topic because you know I, I think that we're looking at coupled oscillators in this artificial optogenetically driven theta but I'm not you know there's another mechanism that we also model in my lab that Brunel pioneered and it's a stochastic population oscillator 
So uh, you can, if let's see. So if um, if you have too much excite, too much inhibition uh, in in a in this in an interneural network, it accumulates and it shuts the neuron up, it shuts the system up, and then it dies off and it accumulates again. And you can sweep it through that regime with theta. But that's not what you think. What you that's think not what I think. Is that the inhibitory right. neurons are <laughs> inhibiting each other, right? And right. The, an inhibitory neuron feels inhibition, and then it and then gets over its inhibition about the same time as a bunch of other neurons get over their inhibition, and they all fire together, and then they all inhibit each other again. Mm-hmm. But there's two different ways that can happen. The way I showed it today, it's coupled oscillated. They're super threshold all the time. The other way is they're, they're having, they've got an EI balance, and they're, not, and they're sub-threshold, and they're only firing stochastically when the noise, they take a random walk and, and exceed their spiking threshold. So it's, it's really two different, it's two different mechanisms. So which is right? I don't know, and I'd like to, that's what I'm working on, is how can you tell? And part of the way would be, if in order to get that stochastic population oscillation, individual neurons have to fire at a much lower rate than the population oscillation. So that would, actually, that Vita, Bartos, and Jonas review pointed out that discrepancy, that the interneurons sometimes fire very fast, yeah. and that's not necessarily consistent with the stochastic population oscillator. So the neurons fire at gamma? Uh, at the gamma that you see in the... I think, I, I, I believe that interneurons can even fire at ripple. <laughs> yeah, but do they fire at do gamma they? when the gamma is there? Um, and, I, you know, I'm not an experimentalist. They uh, did refer, in that, in that Bartos at all review, uh, they did say that there were instances where it fired faster, you know, pretty fast. So that I don't think exactly like at gamma. Wouldn't even have to be... Of the, yeah, the, but I, I need to check my references before I make a definitive statement like There was that. one other thing that you showed today that was that just neurons inhibiting each other and rele- getting relieved of inhibition at the same time isn't enough. No, it's definitely that. not. So you also needed them to be electrically coupled to each other. In the case where there's a lot of heterogeneity. So, uh, yeah, which is the real case. Yes. And so it, uh, if they were electrically coupled but they didn't have any inhibition, did that also work? Uh, actually, you don't even need. Well, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, but we didn't try that. <laughs> okay. I think it would. I think it, I, I'm pretty sure. So maybe the inhibition mechanism is there, but it's mm-hmm. not the important thing. Maybe it's all just electrical coupling. You think? I don't know. Again, I, I, that's a good food for thought. But I do know that it, that just be, that they don't necessarily that the shunning inhibition in our hands was not even able to be synchronized by gap junctions because it was so. Uh, desynchronizing. So maybe it takes both things. Maybe that's... Maybe, because the shunting was not very desynchronizing. It was just a little desynchronizing. It's desynchronized very slowly, but nonetheless. And these could, these questions could be resolved if I could convince my experimental collaborators, like John White, to use um, specific blockers of gap junctions. But they tell me no such thing exists. Okay, John, I hope you heard that. <laughs> So I'm meeting with him Monday, I'll tell him. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, maybe John watches this. Maybe. Who knows? So uh, thank you very much, Carmen, for being here today. It's been really fun. And Francesco. Thank you. And uh, this has been Neuroscientist Talk Shop.